Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we enter into your presence with great expectations. May the meditations of our hearts, minds, and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Amen. This week I found myself over at the Decatur Public Library perusing the stacks of books. I wanted to go and learn a little bit more about the people called Methodists in our history here in Wise County. I found a delightful book on the shelves written by one who many of you know and remember with fondness, Sue Jean Kokenauer. Along with that book and a little book that showed up in Kelly's uh, welcome packet and uh, new member packet, which is called A Century of Serving, I was delighted by the stories of how the Methodists formed in this community. So I know many of you already know this history, but it is really good to tell these stories again and again, to kind of remember them and to think about them. So I'm going to ask you, did you know that the oldest church to form in Wise County was a Methodist congregation just a little bit south of here at Sand Hill around 1854? And then within a couple of years, there was denominations popping up all over Wise County, and some denominations came together and they called themselves Union Churches, which is a bunch of denominations coming together, maybe a precursor to our non-denomination brothers and sisters. In 1899, it was the Methodist Church of Decatur which sponsored a, the first of many annual revivals. These revivals were wonderful. They told, in, in the things I read this week, I was, heard the stories about farm families and how they would uh, come in from the fields early and then they'd have a bite to eat and they'd clean up and they'd get in the, the family wagon and they'd head to service. Now, some of them even camped out at these revivals that were sometimes as many as long as three weeks at a time. They would take shelter under their wagons or build tents. And and as I was reading this story, I wondered, gee, I wonder if that was the precursor to all the reunion activities that are happening uh, just close to town here. Each service every night was filled with good singing, good praying, and good preaching. The kids would play off quietly, off to the side, while babies were underfoot, uh, sleeping on pallets made with hay and blankets. Young couples used this time to begin to flirt with one another and court one another. Sometimes they even got married during the course of these week-long or three-week-long events. You see, friends, Methodists have been strong and active in Wise County even long before there were these revivals. During those early days, preachers had to move on a circuit, not just Methodist preachers, but Baptist preachers and Presbyterian preachers. And so it was the life of the congregation that had to hold together the faith stories that developed. I read uh, recently uh, one man who was recounting how his grandfather was a part of the earliest circuit for Methodists. And he said that our early circuits 
would take about 27 days, and his grandfather would get on a horse and travel for 300 miles and make 31 stops in that 27 days. Now, what that meant was that the people at this church had a preacher only about once a month. And during that time, the preacher would only have time to preach some, to uh, baptize babies, and to do a wedding ceremony or two. Recently, Brian and I and people from your congregation uh, attended a Passing the Baton workshop. We've kind of had this theme of baton passing as we think about uh, transitions and life of pastors and congregations. During that workshop, we were encouraged to talk about Methodist ecclesiology. That's a fancy church word for the way that we do church. And the way that we do church involves a ministry of the laity. It is a combination of laity and clergy. It is called the ministry of all believers. Our Wesleyan roots are steeped in that, as a matter of fact, and when we gather for legislation, there is equal representation of clergy and laity. And when we go out into the mission field, we are abundantly laity. When we think about the United Methodist Committee on Relief, UMCOR, which is one of the the world's biggest and most prolific um, uh, entity, agency that takes care of people in time of great needs, it is run by mostly laity. When we look at our United Methodist discipline, we see this about the ministry of the laity. The ministry of laity flows from the commitment to Christ's outreaching of love. Every layperson is called to carry out the Great Commission. Every layperson is called to be missional. That Great Commission is a part of your DNA. It is a part of your mission statement to go and to make disciples for the transformation of the world. It's been a part of who you are for over 150 years. After the stunning events of Jesus' last week on this earth in the city of Jerusalem, the disciples are discouraged. They're tired and they're worn out and they're frightened and they are afraid. They return to their homeland where they came from, an area called Galilee. Because the women told them when they saw Jesus that they were to go there and Jesus would come again to them. We read what happens when Jesus came to them in Matthew's gospel, the 28th chapter, beginning with verse 16. Let's read that again this morning and listen for what God has to say to us in these verses. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For me, the most comforting phrase in that whole uh, passage 
is some doubted. Some doubted. I know we can all identify with that. There have been times in my life when I have come to worship God and I have been doubtful. And yet Jesus stands in their midst. It tells me that even as Jesus is standing there boldly in their midst, there is this mystery around the presence of Christ that is evident. And yet Jesus is not bothered or deterred by this mixed congregation of people who believe and people who doubt even his friends. Instead, the gospel tells us that he comes and he stands in the midst. He comes and he is with them anyway. He blesses them. He loves on them. And then he commissions them. He sends them out, whether they're doubters or they're believers. He gives them a job to do, and he sends them out with a promise promise that he will be with us no matter what. This rhythm of coming into the presence of Christ, being greeted by Christ, worshiping Christ, and then being sent out is the rhythm of how we gather as God's people. It is the rhythm of gathering and sending that called the earliest settlers in Wise County. You see, I see it as worship and mission. They're inseparable. Jesus puts them together, and I think it's because Jesus knows that the hard work of mission requires us to gather in a place where we can find rest in our worship and we can be restored so that we might go out again the next week for more mission. This church did not formally organize until 1862, but even after it formally organized, the camp meetings played an important role in the life of this church. In an interview that Mrs. Kokenauer had with Mrs. John Taylor, uh, Mrs. John Taylor recalled that the families would prepare for church on Saturday. They spent their Saturdays washing their clothes and pressing them so that they'd look great on Sunday, making a meal so that they could take with them because the following morning they would get in their wagons and their buggies and their surreys and they would take off to be at church with all the other Methodists who would gather there. And they would stay there all day long. Whether there was a preacher there or not, they gathered to study the Bible and to sing the songs of the faith, the same things we still do today. And then after church, they'd gather around the food, the common table, and they would share food. And then at 3.15 in the afternoon, there's this organization called the Epworth League who gathered people together again to help them study new things. It is during this time on Sunday when foreign and local missions took place. They were often organized by the women of the congregation who came together to make quilts and clothing for those in their neighbors who did not have warm things to wear. They visited the sick. They raised money for foreign and local missions. 
We stand on the foundation of these mighty laity who first worshipped in an outdoor tabernacle not far from here and then in a white-framed church that unfortunately burned in the late 1800s to be rebuilt soon after that. We stand on the foundation of those who built this building in uh, 1913 and the first worship service was on Easter of that year. We stand on the strong foundation of women like Sue Jean Kokenauer, Nancy Rosendahl, and, and then there's Charles Cates and uh, um, Martha Hughes and Roy Eaton. And I name these because these are people that understand that our mission of tomorrow is only Rooted is rooted in the stories of our past. These stories that we tell our grandchildren and their grandchildren are important for us to know who we are and how we were called to be these unique people in the life of this community. They are stories not for us to stay in, but for us to remember so that we can stand on the shoulders of our mothers and fathers who established the practice of continuing a vision of growth and development, which has seen you through at least four building programs, three expansion programs by my count, and numerous renovation programs without the burden of debt for more than five years at a time. That is phenomenal. You stand on the shoulder of the Branson family and the Rand family and the Reed family whose memorial gifts were given so that the children who came to the after-school program at your facility would have a safe place to play. It is still the, pro the playground today that that is there for not only our preschool kids, but those who come for Decatur Cares and have a hot meal once a week. You stand on the shoulder of the faithful members that are on, in this church today whose view was to have a vision for 2020, to build a place where people that might not come into a traditional worship setting, but they would have a place yet to experience and meet the living Christ. That vision has materialized in the, in the way of Pecan Street Mission, a modern worshiping community in the life of First United Methodist Church. Friends, it's how the mission, uh, the witness of the laity work. First, you gather to worship. And then you go out to live your lives just as you ordinarily do because you love Jesus and you live a life that is becoming and by the example of Christ. And you share your own faith experience with those you meet as you tell the gospel, sometimes with words and sometimes with merely your action. And then it's the laity's invitation. It is the laity's invitation that allows people to see the living Christ among them and for lives to be transformed. Preachers lead you for a season, but it is the way, laity, the mission of you, each of you, that makes a difference in the lives of the people in Decatur and Wise County. 
Jesus gifts each of you with unique gifts for that work of mission. Some days you will enter this space and you may feel doubtful. Some days you will enter this space space and you will be a believing disciple. It makes no difference because here's what I have to tell you. The Christ that we worship meets us exactly where we are in this space, in that space. And this Christ that we worship goes with us and sends us with an amazing promise. The promise that Christ will be with us always to the end of the age. Thanks be to God. Amen.